Some of you may know our next guest as another name, the Floodplain. Well, he's reintroducing himself as the artist Virtua. If you like Sonic the Hedgehog or Sega Genesis and you grew up playing those video games, then you will love his new music coming out. Coming right up next is the song Saturn 9 before the interview. Check it out. different variations. You went from floodplain, which was a very like minimalistic electronic sound, to probably the sound you've been possibly working towards your entire career. How did you get to become Virtua and and what was your inspiration? Um, well, so uh, it actually was just um, uh, just I guess over time uh, I learned I learned about different uh, ways of making music on the computer. Um, the computer is really uh, the main reason why I was able to arrive at the sound that I've been trying to get to because um, there's just more and more music resources out there, more more resources than there was, uh, you know, ten years ago when I was, you know, really trying to get to the sound. Um, 
and also I just didn't have the knowledge. I, I didn't, uh, as you know, my, my most recent stuff uh, really uh, kind of uh, tries to emulate that sort of Sega Genesis, uh, late 80s, early 90s, uh, very pastel neon kind of sound. And it does and, a great job of it. Well, thanks. Um, and I never, I never knew how to do that uh, on a practical level. You know, I would, I would use the synthesizers I had at my disposal, but they never quite, um, they never quite captured the sound uh, because um, there, there was a, there was a specific kind of synthesis that I wasn't aware of until recently. So, for the most part, how long have you been making music, would you say? Uh, so, I started making music in the seventh grade, I think. Uh, my dad brought home a Roland XP80 synthesizer from his classroom, and uh, I had been taking, like, music, uh, extracurricular music classes after school in elementary school. I'd played the violin, and then um, I played the flute in high school, and I just, you know, it was fun, but I never really, it never really clicked for me until, you know, my dad brought that synthesizer home, and uh, um, so seventh grade, how many years ago was that? Uh, 2001, I graduated high school, so that's uh, 14 years ago, and then senior year, junior year, sophomore year, freshman year, eighth grade, seventh grade, so 14 plus six. So, what is that? You've been doing it for quite a while. 20 years. <laughs> I've been making music for... <laughs> right? And, and I remember, um, I remember when you first started, you always, you were always trying to, to reach that sound of, of Sega Genesis, because it, it, you know, what, what a lot of people don't remember is that there was Nintendo, of course, and then Nintendo was around, but Nintendo didn't really have that, that soul. <laughs> right. And Sega, I don't know what it was, but Sega had, like, funk, rhythm, soul, it had all of it. You know what that was? What was that? Uh, so uh, in the in the late '80s, early '90s, there was a synthesizer that came out called the Yamaha DX7, and it's FM synthesis, which is mm -hmm. different from uh, the synthesis before that. The synthesis before that was just one sound wave, but FM synthesis takes that one sound wave and kind of makes it three-dimensional. So it's kind of like, imagine a, a sine wave like this, and then mm -hmm. FM synthesis comes in and puts a sine wave on it in this direction. Oh, wow. So it's, it's the frequency modulation, FM. So it's, it's modulating the actual frequency of the sound wave. So that's why it's different. It's basically like 3D sound as opposed to 2D sound. Wow. Yeah. And so that's what, I that's what I figured out recently that allowed me to achieve the Sega sound. It's a very specific synthesis. The, the sound chip in the Sega Genesis is called the YM2618 or something like that. Um, and it's an emulation of the Yamaha DX7 synthesizer. It's, it's incredible because you, you hear that, and the minute you listen to it, it's like, that takes me back to my childhood. Yeah, and so there, there aren't a lot of 
um, there aren't, there really, it, like, so there isn't a synthesizer out there on the market that, that makes those sounds. So you aren't going to hear a lot of people making those sounds. I kind of had to get those sounds in, like, this sort of obtuse kind of way. So I have a, do you, do you, do you mind if I tell you about that? I don't mind. Okay, so um, the instrument I use is native, it's a, it's a VST, it's a software synth. And it's the Native Instruments FM8, which is a software FM synthesizer. So, um, like Skrillex and a lot of the dubstep out there uses FM synthesis, but it's like really, it's a lot more intricate and advanced sounding. I, I don't really like the sound as much, <laughs> but um, you there's a there's a bunch of Yamaha DX7. Uh, system files out on the internet that that FM8 will convert into its sound files. So basically, it's taking the sound files from the DX7 and converting them. And actually, just recently, I found um, this this guy uh, ripped all of the sounds from like every Sega game ever made. Um, wow! But but. Uh, FM8 won't open those files natively, so I found a Python script that'll convert them into FM8 sounds. Um, so it's a little—it's a little bit of a process, but it, you know, so those the sounds that I've been using—they're not really easily accessible, so they're not—you're not hearing them a lot in music. So, so my hope is to kind of bring those uh, forward and and kind of have a unique sound in that respect. What's what's in, well? Do you have? Do you kind of? Can you show the the how these these sounds operate? Can you can you show it? Because I see you've got your computer right there. Oh, so so you wanna do you wanna see how the how the sounds? Uh, you wanna see the process of how I convert the sounds using the Python script? Yes. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, okay. So there's a there's a. Um, there's a Sega sound chip emulator VST called the VOPM. Okay. That, that's the that's the instrument that opens up the um, the OPM files. On a Mac, it doesn't work, so that's why I had to convert them to FM8. Oh, gee. Um, so let me see here. This is absolutely incredible. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's been a while since I've. Um, Oh, you know what? I gotta open up. So it's so I've actually been I've been using the DX7 files, so okay. I haven't had to use the Python script. Um, I'm gonna be doing that today, but it's been a while since I've done it, so I, I off the top of my head, I don't remember exactly what I need to open. Okay, so uh, but you yeah, have yeah. yeah. It, it this is interesting because it it reminds me of um, recently I saw. The artist Daniel Cannon, and Daniel Cannon, what he did was he, he's he's a circuit bent, uh, uh, chip tune circuit bender, and he showed that basically the way that he makes his his songs is he uses a Game Boy, and he actually goes in there and goes into every single track, and it's more like programming than actually song composition. Yeah, he's using um, he's using LSDJ. I use uh, I use a tracker program called um, Renoise, and I mm -hmm. can actually I can open up a track and kind of show you what it looks like. 
So what's the difference between this and like circuit bending and chip tunes? So, uh, so this is similar. Uh, so uh, both Renoise and those uh, those uh, trackers like LSDJ and Modplug and Fast Tracker, they're all trackers. And, and basically, what that means is you have kind of like a an Excel spreadsheet. Um, oh, okay. Where you where you kind of, it's sort of like a player piano, you know those those rolls on a player piano with the notches and mm -hmm. they, it, as it's rolling, it's 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 sort of telling which note to play. So yeah, uh, a tracker works the same way. It scrolls through the database spreadsheet, um, and uh, in in each of these cells, you know you you kind of you kind of type out each note that you want. So you're kind of composing it in the spreadsheet, and then it, wow. it scrolls down the spreadsheet. And that's how. So that's that's in that respect, Renoise and LSDJ um, are the same. But what makes Renoise different from those programs is that it's it's not just for chip tunes. You can okay. make you can make house tracks, dubstep, any kind of uh, EDM um, kind of track that you want with Renoise because you can you can um, load in any uh, software synthesizer you want, so you can have really high fidelity sounds in Renoise, but you can also uh, have chip tune sounds by using um, like a, I, I one of I, I use two software synths mainly for the chip tunes, and that's the FM8 with all the Sega track, all the Sega sounds, and then there's a, a virtual instrument called um, uh, it's by Plog, it's like a Russian company. Mm -hmm. and, it's a it's an emulator of all these different uh, chip boards from uh, like the Commodore 64 and Atari and um, so and the Game Boy and the Super Nintendo. Um, so uh, so you can you can you can use Renoise as a as a chip tune tracker, um, but it's it's just it's more um, it's more robust basically. What's fascinating is that with all the, it, with such a simplistic sound, it takes a lot of work to emulate a sound that's so minimalistic. It can, yeah, it can, because yeah, a lot. Um, I mean, I think I think what's I think what's what's the most challenging about writing music this way is that you're really, um, it's really granular. Like you're 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 placing every note in this spreadsheet um, rather than playing it out real time. Playing it out real time has a more natural kind of fluid. Yeah. But with composing it this way, you kind of gotta type it out in the spreadsheet, play it, hear how it sounds, adjust it. You can actually get a. You can get. I can. I can sound like a way better musician than I actually am doing it this way because because I you know I can I can arrange the notes exactly how I want them to be I don't have to play them out you know what I mean interesting yeah very interesting yeah. so with the ex besides Sega Genesis who are some of your other influences and and have you used those influences and applied those towards your virtual virtual project um so yeah really uh you know the 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 synth this, the synth music of the late '80s and early '90s um, is super nostalgic. Like uh, you know, driving in the car with my mom when I was a little kid, 
she'd always turn on the radio and there would be this really pastel-y synth pop kind of stuff, like early yeah. Madonna, early Michael Jackson. Yeah, just that, like, you know, funky, squiggly, poppy, um, very colorful um, sound. It just really struck me when I was little, and uh, it, it made up. It, it had kind of been, you know, laying dormant in, in me until recently, because a lot of that stuff, a lot of that sound is really coming back right now. Oh, yeah. So I'm, I'm remembering it more and more um, with the whole vaporwave movement and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, basically, um, a lot of the samples in vaporwave music is, is from that era that was really inspiring to me, just like that that early uh, the, the early 90s, late 80s R&B, um, the, the kind of shitty music they played in movie theaters before the movie, that, that kind of yeah. stuff. Um, like, I hated it. Like, if, like, 10 years ago, I hated that stuff. But I don't know, it's kind of like coming back, and I'm, I'm hearing what was cool about it. It just, it had that distinct kind of characteristic. It was just like... There's, a, there's, there's kind of, to me, there's kind of an irony to it because it was trying to sound heavenly. Like, that's really the, like, to me, like, that, that aesthetic um, was, like, very much, like, marble and gold and teal and pink, like, heaven, like, future, like, he, like heaven <laughs> future kind of sound. Um, and so, like, that's, like... Uh, and it's the same kind of music they would play in shopping malls. You just have this. It was like a. It was like a paradise kind of a sound, like a future paradise sound. And to me, it's right like then, and especially now, it's really easy to see the irony in it because in the environments uh, and the contexts that that music was playing, it wasn't paradise at all. Um, so, so I think that's what I really like about that sound is that it's kind of it's like a super it's a super, it's a super seductive, enchanting lie. Um, you know, like it's, it, it, I don't know. There's, there's something, there's something, uh, like terrifying about it. And it, and in, in that, in that regard, it's kind of beautiful, I guess. Would, would also your inspiration of, of all this music, it, it kind of, it's, it's kind of a reminder of the past. And so, would you say that some of this is kind of um, in response to everyone going so far into the future that you're like, I want to go back a little bit? Is would that be the case, or or is that not? That's an interesting question. Yeah, I guess that's that's good. that's a cool question. When I think about it, yeah, I kind of feel like I kind of feel like you know, like. Uh, the music that's out right now, at least to my ear, doesn't really have a, a unique uh, and distinguished style. And I feel like that's a product of, like, we don't know where we're going and we don't care. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, maybe on a subconscious level, you know, I'm trying to evoke this sound is kind of like a, almost kind of like a... Um, Like a, I don't know. Like kind of, kind of like your, um, 
evoking the past a little bit, just just kind of like saying, screw this this modernism. <laughs> well, kind of like here's like the last, here's like our last attempt, you know, to to here's our last attempt to find express something new. You know, like, that makes a good point. Yeah, like I, I feel like I feel like that sound, that late '80s, early '90s sound, it was unique because it was, um, it was another advance in synthesis. It oh was yeah. FM synthesis. So it was this three-dimensional. The thing about FM synthesis is that it was really hard to sculpt sounds. Mm -hmm. From from the research I did, it, like it like it was very specialized. Because FM synthesis, if you do it wrong, it just sounds like so bad. It sounds like <laughs> shitty general MIDI garbage that you just don't want to listen to. Well, that's that's the big urban legend about Michael Jackson and Sonic the Hedgehog three. Yeah. That supposedly he didn't he like was, the sound. No, no, he didn't. He said that there was <laughs> there were so many limitations on that sound yeah. that he couldn't make a Michael Jackson sounding track. Yeah. Well, and so that, that sound from the early 90s, it died really quickly because people, it was very limiting. The FM, FM synthesis was very limiting only because it, it's kind of a, an odd way of building sound. It wasn't very intuitive. So a lot of the synthesizers following the DX7, like the DX9, 10, 11, after that, like there was a departure from FM synthesis. And that, there, so kind of went back to the synthesis before FM, and there wasn't really any new advances in synthesis after that. So there wasn't any unique, you know, we, we, we haven't really been able to explore a unique style or sound since then. So so that's, I think that's what I really like about that, that sound, is that it's sort of like the last recognizable new sound. You know what I mean? It's like a plateau. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. So, so you've got your computer all set up. Do you have uh, have anything you can show or or? I'll, I'll go. Up. So I was actually going to play you, um, you know, Starlight Zone on yes. um, on Sega Sonic One. Uh, let me see if I can get that melody. Um, can you hear it? Oh yeah. Oh. So that's so that's the, the Starlight Zone bell sound, um, and I'll go ahead and uh, just uh, I'll just play one of my recent songs so you can kind of see how a tracker how a tracker works and how the um, the song is constructed. So let's see. Oh, cool. I'll. Uh, and give me just a second here. Oh, no problem. Um, actually, let me open up. Let's see. Open up. Uh, let's see this one. Is this one? Oh, this one's kind of cool. Um, file, open. 
Oh, so these are brand new songs, too. Some of them are, like, sketches. Okay. Oh. oh, wow. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. That's, that looks crazy. Yeah. So that's, you can kind of see it's like a it's like an Excel spreadsheet of sound. <laughs> so, yeah, it does essentially work the same way as, like, tunes, like you were saying. The LSD, the Game Boy tracker. Yeah. Yep. So, actually, I, I used ModPlug for a long time to make a lot of my tracks, um, which was a, a Windows-based tracker. Um that 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 was fun. So I've been I've been using uh, trackers. I trackers I started using in 2002-2003 when I actually met uh, I met I met a guy named Carlos Esparza at art school, and he 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 was making a lot of music using trackers, and I was like, whoa, this is cool. He 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 introduced me to the whole uh, chip tunes world. There's a whole community out there. Oh yeah. Yeah, like uh, Beak. The, there's an artist out there, Beaker, or Beak. His uh, his Gingerbread album was like a, a big inspiration for me using. Oh really? Um, so anyway. Well, that's that's amazing. Well, thank you very much, Bobby. Yeah, thank you. AKA Virtua. Yeah. And thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. All right. We'll catch you later. All right. Bye. Bye. Well, that was Virtua as he gave a little bit of a rundown on how he makes music, you can check out one of his other songs, Narcissimo, before we leave you. Make sure you check out next week for another awesome episode of the Mike Me Show. Thank you very much, and yeah, see you later. <laughs>